This morning, Julie Lee has a powerful testimony. You've been seeing and hearing some things about Safe Place, which is a ministry for female survivors of sexual abuse. And yes, I'm going to name it and we're going to talk about it in church because it needs to be talked about. I want you to listen and hear how God has brought us to this point. Thank you, Julie. Good morning. Safe Place is a new ministry of our church that will be launched on Tuesday evening, September 5th. God brought a need for this to our attention almost a year and a half ago following the personal testimony of one of our members. After she honestly shared and connect about the trauma she had experienced and the healing that she had experienced through Jesus Christ, several other church members joined her, answering God's call to start a new ministry here. Our team began with five women who prayed, read, and researched and cried a lot. Um, since we started, God has brought us someone from Moreland United Methodist Church who has been through this program three times. She will serve as a co-facilitator and has stated that it took at least three times for her to go through this program to really get where she needed to be. Our team met with Herb Cranford, the assistant DA, and victim advocate Allison Boone, who guided us with information and contacts. We consulted with Dr. Julie Medlin, who works closely with victims in this area. We prayed and prayed and prayed some more. Most of us went through Stephen's ministry training to learn how to listen and support persons experiencing trauma, and we continued to seek God's direction. This spring, we met with staff members of Southern Crescent Sexual Assault and Child Advocacy Center. They've opened an office very close to our church. We are not equipped on our own, but God has made it clear that we are ready because he will be the healer. We are simply agents of his love, mercy, and grace. Safe Place will be a support group, a place where women will be reminded that they are not alone, a place to listen, to support one another, and a place to do some inner work to begin the healing process. We are not professional counselors, but we do have two licensed private counselors, one a survivor herself, who will be available to, if participants want to work privately with them. Just recently, someone asked Joanne, is this ministry really needed here? Her answer was a resounding yes. You see, research indicates that one in four women and one in six men have experienced sexual abuse in their lifetime. Hear me, one in four women and one in six men. Look around this room. That means that many in this place have experienced horrible pain and trauma and many have never talked about it. Unfortunately, abuse can happen at every age from the very small children to the older adults. I'm sharing this information with you today as a survivor of sexual abuse. I am one of the statistics, but praise God, the story does not stop there. 
For more than 30 years, I refused to speak of or even acknowledge the abuse. A few years ago, Jesus changed me, gave me the courage to do the inner work that was necessary for healing, and the transformation began there. I am not a victim. I am a precious child of God who, through Christ, will continue to heal, grow, and learn. Is there a need for this ministry in our community, in our church? Absolutely. Mr. Cranford told us that victims ask for spiritual guidance and the DA's office has nowhere to refer them. Well, now there will be. Of course, there is a need for safe place for men as well. As I said, one in six. Right now, we're starting with females only because our team are all women. Please help us get the word out about safe place. Talk to Joanne. Come see me after do in and through this team. May God be glorified. God bless you and thank you. Amen. God is doing amazing things in this church, in this community, and around the world. And I give God thanks and praise for people like Julie who have had the God-given boldness and the courage to give testament to what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. God moved in powerful ways in this place last week because we worshiped we confessed our sin and we opened up to what God had for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. When God is working and moving, we need to move. We need to move as the songs said, I reach out my hands to you. It's, it's, we need to move in such a way that we are running after him. Unfortunately, there are things that hold us back. There are things that imprison us, that, that chain us to think that we are as good as it's going to get, that life is as good as it's going to get, and here we are. I read recently, I don't know if it's true or not, but if you can just picture this, a story about an elephant who had a very thin rope tied around his foot, tied to a very skinny pole, and just stood there. And the man went up to, a man went up to the owner of the elephant and asked, why doesn't that elephant just take a step? It's a little tiny thin rope. It's a little tiny pole. It could just move. And the man said the elephant believed he had little power, so he just stood there. The elephant believed he had little power to move the tie that was holding him back. And that's where I want to go today. I want to talk about strongholds. I want to talk about the old tapes, patterns of behavior, beliefs that we have that keep playing in our mind. Now, students and children, a lot of you in this room don't even know what CDs are, let alone cassette tapes. But stick with me. I will do my best to make it relevant. It is like 
What often happens to me in, in my iTunes playlist, the little arrows of repeat get turned on without my even knowing it. And the song goes over and over and over. And then I have to ask one of my children, you know, what's going on here? That repeat button plays a lot in our lives. The old tapes that have been spoken into us continue to play. I want you to listen to this. I, this is from a beloved family member, and I received this email a couple weeks ago. She says, I've had an aha moment and know now that it's the old tapes that have gotten me down again. Always I have not felt worthwhile. I have felt I had to earn love. I needed to be needed so that I could do something to earn love. I've played with children, I've mowed lawns, I've helped clean houses, I've done anything to earn a reason to be around. I thought I was not worth people having me around them if I was not doing something to earn it. I've gotten a lot better, she says, but the tapes still play, and they played very loudly this time. I'm not really needed anyone anywhere at this age. She says, I'm too infirm right now to do anything to earn my way, so I feel I have no worth. That was the hole I was in yesterday, she says, because I was listening to the old tapes. Yesterday, my friend needed me to be with her and to hold her hand and to tell her she did the right thing after her brother went on his tirade. I was needed, hence I felt worthwhile. Then you called and you told me I was worthwhile. So she said, I went to bed feeling a little bit better. And at some point, hmm, who do you think was at work here? At some point, it all came together and I realized I was listening to those old tapes again. I'm working now to try and turn them off. The problem was not being able to earn my way to being worth anything to anybody. But now that I've named it, I can work out of it until the next time those tapes play in my mind and in my heart again. Old tapes. I hope that something resonated with you because it happens to all of us. I often do this. It's the lies of the enemy, the lies of Satan. The scripture says he is the accuser of the brethren. He is working all the time to get us to, to, to a place of ineffectiveness in our walk with Jesus Christ. Let's see what scripture says about this. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, starting with the third verse. For though we walk in the flesh, that means in the world we are mortal human beings. So though, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh in this spiritual battle. For the weapons of our spiritual warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. 
The more we open up to God's direction for our lives, the more we as a church, we as Jesus followers are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading. The more the kingdom of God is at hand here on this earth and we have the spiritual power to call out disobedience, to call out disobedience in a spiritual battle. So that's where we're going today, and I want you to stick with me as I tell you about strongholds. If you think of a stronghold, more than likely you're going to imagine a, a physical place or a, a tower of refuge, a, a walled city or a hiding place that's easy to hide behind. But spiritual, strong, uh, spiritual warfare and the strongholds that we have look different. So I'm going to, to tell you about those. First of all, it's defined this way, a United Methodist minister who's powerful in this nation of, with prayer, his name is Terry Teckel, said this, a stronghold is a belief system or a pattern of thinking. So stick with that in your mind. They, a stronghold has to do with attitudes and expectations that influence behavior. Our attitudes and the perceived attitudes and expectations of others. Betty McKinney, who some of you met last week, uh, our uh, um, Rick Bonfin ministry teacher and trip manager, says it this way, strongholds are fears. They are lies that the enemy tells us, and they are the sins that we have just allowed in and, and we get uh, complacent and comfortable with. A stronghold is our understanding of who we are that has been ingrained in us. In other words, it is our default of when something happens, when we have challenges or we are up against some circumstances in our life, we go back to what has been spoken into us, perhaps by a, a parent or a or a teacher or a friend, perhaps by someone who, who spoke death instead of life into you. This beloved family member who emailed me, she said, I can remember it. She's 80 years old. And she says, I remember the day I was in seventh grade and my friend said something to me and I felt worthless. That is a stronghold that the enemy is using to keep her in chains. Finally, a stronghold influences how we think and behave, and so much of it is without our knowledge. It is so much a part of our behavior, our attitude, that we don't even know that the old tapes are playing again. And finally, author and Christian speaker Beth Moore says it this way, a stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. So those fears that you came in with today, those, this is a, those thoughts about this is as good as it's going to get, or I'm, I'm a kinraid, that's just who we are, no, no use trying to change now. All of the, the thoughts of addiction, which I would say often has something generationally involved in it, all of those things that are plaguing you, that have happened to you, that have been spoken to you, 
your concern about what other people think, those are all strongholds. Those are keeping you and keeping me from being an effective witness. You see, Brent testified to something really cool about sitting around last night with someone who was so burned by culture, burned by probably organized religion, I don't know, was so burned by that that there is a stronghold obstructing that person from opening up to considering who Jesus might be. Strongholds. They are our old tapes. It's the, the way that the elephant is bound and not ready to take a step, even though the, the, the rope is a thin one and the pole is thin and taking one step of movement, of belief in God, of speaking against the strongholds. Instead, the elephant stays stuck. Strongholds, our default patterns... And sometimes we go back to that pattern of behavior or pattern of thinking without even being aware of it. So I'm here to say today that it's time to build new brain pathways. I won't get into all of the scientific neural pathway stuff. But when we have strongholds, the defaults in our patterns of behavior, they are neural pathways that have been made. It's like wagon wheel ruts. It is like the old gravel road ruts. And it is up to us to make new neural pathways, to be in control of our mind and our thinking And it comes through our obedience and our maturity, how we choose to to look to God to grow through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a life structured by Jesus Christ. Julie Lee could not have stood up here today if years and years ago she would have continued to believe the lie, I am a victim, I am no good, all of the lies... She would not be able to stand and give testament to God's work through Jesus Christ. But she chose to address the stronghold. She chose to name it and to make uh, changes in her attitude and behavior. Carol Ann Fields, would you stand up, beautiful Carol Ann? We have been watching this physical transformation. She, thank you. She has lost 117 pounds. That is because that is because she chose to name the strongholds in her mind. She chose to address the strongholds. She chose to take control of her mind, body and spirit so that God could work in and through her. She is now writing a blog. She is now ministering to others through her testimony. Julie Lee is ministering to others through her testimony. Robin Christie Estes would not be back there today had they chosen four years ago when the doctor said you have glioblastoma, brain cancer. They would not be here today if they didn't take a stand against the stronghold where the enemy wanted them to speak death. Instead, they have chosen to speak life. 
you and I all have strongholds in our life. And we, some of us, are choosing to live like the elephant with a rope around our ankles saying, well, this is all I got, God. You know, you, you, you dealt me a pretty bum deal. My hand isn't as great as I would have liked it to be, but this is it. And God is calling us today to work against that, to take a stand, and this is how we do it. Scripture says we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ our Lord. We have to be intentional with the thoughts that come in. Because as I said, Scripture tells us very clearly, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and he is going to be continuing to feed you lies about who you are. You're such a loser, you'll never make anything. Instead, we know that the battlefield of the mind needs to be under Jesus Christ. So we take control. We, we take control of our mind. And you're saying, well, Joanne, that's really weird because almost every Sunday you stand up here and say, let go of control. Right? Our mind is so powerful that in our walk with Jesus Christ, we must be intentional. Because if we are not in control of our thoughts, we're going to be distracted. We are going to believe the stronghold lies. We are going to go ahead with the sins that we are committing, just justifying that they're okay. We're going to continue to live in fear. We're going to continue to let the anxiety and the doubt plague us unless we take control of our mind. Does that make sense to you? I am not contradicting myself, but I need to make sure that you are clear on this. So how do we do this? First of all, we claim our identity in Jesus Christ. Only through his blood, only through Christ's righteousness do we have power and authority. You see, we don't have to do this on our own, but we claim whose we are. And then we name it aloud. Some of you know this very well. Some of you have seen me talking out loud as I'm walking my dog. But I am claiming I am a beloved child of God. I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I have a new life. I am transformed. That's how I take control of my mind. Does it work all the time? No, because I'm human and and sometimes I let all the lies come in. You've got to work to take control. Jesus shed his blood so that we might have victory. So we claim the name of Jesus. We claim his blood. We claim his victory. We claim that we have hope, that we're not stuck. That's how we take control of our mind. We say it out loud, I am enough. I am a beloved child of God. I am complete. I am confident. I am free. Whatever you need to believe, say it and claim it. Fight the spiritual battle that Paul is talking about in our scripture. 
And finally, you personally claim God's word for you. Psalm 139 is, is my favorite, and I have to claim it for myself. I speak it out loud, and when, I'm just going to talk to you, call you out. When Emily was pregnant with my, my grand, our granddaughter Harper, I claimed it for her. When Emily and Rachel were little, I claimed this for them, and it continues I am created by God who created me in my inmost being. God knit me together in my mother's womb. It goes on and on. But, but I make this personal for self, for family, for friends. I, I speak Zephaniah 3.17 over me. The Lord my God is with me. He is mighty to save. He sings over me. You see, I need to remind myself of that. I need to be in control of my thoughts. I write a lot of stuff in my Bible. Psalm 34 on August 23, 2013, Robin Christie. I said, I'm praying this for Robin Christie the day after his diagnosis with stage 4 brain cancer. And I have written in my Bible, I have been claiming it for and with them ever since. Rob and Christie will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on their lips. Their souls will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. They will glorify the Lord. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. Psalm 37, I've been praying for Andrew and Emily and Rachel. Andrew and Emily will trust in the Lord, and they will do good. They will dwell in the land and enjoy and cultivate faithfulness. Rachel will commit her way to the Lord. She will trust him, and he will do it. He will make her righteousness shine like the dawn. I'm sorry I'm making this so personal and calling my family out, but you need to know this is how we stand, and this is how we turn from the control of strongholds to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I have to go a little bit farther because I see my brother Billy Boyer walked in. It's like you had a cue. Um, I wrote in, in 2016, Billy waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to, to God, and God turned to him, and he heard Billy's cry. He lifted Billy out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set Billy's feet on a rock and gave him a place to stand. Are you getting the idea of how we change the, the neural pathways? We use the word of God. It's in Hebrews that says the word of God. I think it's Hebrews 4. The word of God is living. I'm looking at you, Brass. Like, Pastor, you know scripture probably better than me. Sorry to call you out. <laughs> Hebrews 4. The word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates between soul and spirit. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotion. And scripture promises that when we make scripture personal, then, then the, the word of God itself penetrates between that stronghold that our soul is thinking and the spirit of God within us. 
It's good stuff. It's not magic. It's the truth of the gospel. We all have strongholds, but we must claim the power and the authority that we have as followers of Jesus to combat, to do the spiritual work, to be in spiritual battle, like the scripture said, to stop the old tapes from being on repeat all the time. It is, that's the one thing we can control. So don't accept the old tapes. Don't accept the stuff that continues to repeat. Because I'm a kinraid, that's as good as it's going to get. Or now I was diagnosed with a disease. Well, I got it now. Or what about it is what it is. This is as good as my life is going to get. You speak life into yourself. Speak it into your family. Speak it into your friends. There is an awareness that the more we are doing this, the quicker the turnaround time will be. Because it is something that we do as human beings. There are patterns of behavior. There are the things, uh, the mindset, the thoughts that we have. But when you ask God to help you become more and more aware of the old tapes, of the strongholds that are influencing you, God will bring them to your attention through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then that's where you hone in. And then you share with a, a trusted family member or a friend and you say, I need your help. I need you to pray with me. I need you to join me in this spiritual battle. I just want to speak these words over you. If you are comfortable with putting out your hands or closing your eyes if you want to, you just receive it however you want. But as your pastor, I want to speak this truth over you. I come against the spirits of rejection and rebellion. I come against the schemes of the enemy in your life. I come against the thoughts that you are not worthy enough, that you are not good enough, that you have to work harder to prove yourself, that you have to earn more money to, to prove your worth. And I pray that you take authority over your thoughts I speak against the belief system of the mind. I speak against the old tapes that repeat stuff that's playing over and over in your mind. I speak against the beliefs that you are tied to. I speak against chaos and confusion, anxiety, doubt, and fear. I speak against control. And I call for order in your mind. I call for order in your life. I ask that God would give you the ability to stand firm in the truth of the gospel. I ask that God would give you a true idea of what it means to be a child of God. I encourage you to stop striving. Because the blood of Jesus has redeemed you. The blood of Jesus has saved you. The blood of Jesus gives you power and authority. That, that power and authority for you to take control of your mind, to take every thought captive, 
The blood of Jesus frees you from the lies that you will never be enough. The blood of Jesus allows you to break free from the strongholds. The blood of Jesus is your victory. Let it be so in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.